Psalm 2, stand if you would when you find your place. Once again, thank you. Thank you for the kindness shown in word and deed and whatever it may be. I appreciate the kindness shown to myself and my family does not go unnoticed. And so we appreciate you. Psalm 2, Psalm 2. Verse 1, it says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them for his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Now, as we look at those eight verses there, we do consider uh, all of God's greatness and all the wonderful things that, that God is telling through the psalmist. And as we pray this morning, I want you to consider the ungodly world in which we live. The ungodly world in which we live. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us. I pray that you would touch us with your Holy Spirit. I pray this morning that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ only and through by your sweet Holy Spirit, God. And give me direction. Nothing I can say can change anything or anyone. But we know it's your sweet Holy Spirit, God, that can touch and is seeking to save. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The thought we've had from the uh, book of Psalms and as we break down into a few different pieces and parts, I don't know how long we'll be there, but my year started and our year started as I shared with you the thought of the praise him, praise him, the song to the Lord, praising him and thanking him for who he is. And this week we find ourselves in consideration of finding our song and we've looked at finding our song, the in, in Psalm 1, the, the song of a blessed man. And looking now in Psalm 2, finding your song in an ungodly world. In an ungodly world. Sometimes we forget how ungodly the world we live, that we live in. How ungodly it is. We expect it sometimes to be a place of... Uh, we don't expect it on this earth sometimes to be the way it is, but it's an ungodly world. We're surprised sometimes by what happens. And I would say to you this morning, we shouldn't be surprised because his word tells us the nature of, the, of a human being, the nature of men, the nature of, of leaders, and the, the nature of kings and the nature of principalities on the earth. They're naturally turning against the Lord. Do not forget that the ground we stand upon has an appointment for destruction. Not due to the sin of the land, but because of the wickedness of those that dishonor God upon it. Not because of the land that we stand on, but because of those that despise God that walk upon it. 
finding your song in an ungodly world. I'm just going to get right into it. I had a period of time in my life that at 2020, I'll be honest with you, 20, everybody remembers 2020. Riley was born in 2020. You won't ever have to worry about it. But if you were living and you were conscious and you were listening and you were, you were around and, and mentally involved in what was going on in the world, it was hard not to be. You remember how just crazy things were. And one thing I did during 2020 that I regret is I spent every waking moment that I wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't reading my Bible, I wasn't outside working or in my job watching the news. I mean, just every... Some people, like, some people are going to like this message and some people won't. I spent all of my time just fixated and focused and obsessed with the news and the news cycle and the stories and all this and all that. And I believe it's good to be informed. But when you spend every waking moment and every waking second of your life, you will obsess over things we can't control. And I want to fix things. Why does it have to be this way? Why does the world have to go down this path? Why does this, these types of things have to happen? And I don't understand why this can't change. And I don't understand uh, why I can't fix it. I don't understand why people won't change their mind. I don't know why people believe this way. And I don't know why they can't see what I'm saying. I was wasting time focused on things I couldn't control. And he, he poses the question there, why, verse 1, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Maybe this question's in your mind today, I just don't understand why things happen the way they happen. I'm to the point now, I just stay away from it. I don't, I don't spend much time around it because you know what? This word I found, I find much more peace in this word than I do in the news. And I'll know, if something, if something comes to my doorstep, I'll, I'll know. I'll catch things here or there. I was up at my grandfather's the other day. He said, I don't even watch the news on TV anymore. He said, I get it on my, on my phone. And I, I read what little bit I need to read and catch up for the day, and I go on. You know, it's amazing the things we can't control. Sometimes they do control us completely. That's just one example. And what I'm getting at today is maybe you've lost your joy, and maybe you're having trouble finding your song Simply because you can't understand why the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing. Why, why, is, this the, why is this the way it is? It kills me. I, I, I hate it to hear about things that happen, people that harm their family, people that kill children, people that abuse children. More, worse than anything, I'm sin is sin, but my goodness. I mean, it just makes me mad. It's hard to find a spiritual uh, inkling in my body when I hear about those types of things. I don't understand it. Why can't we fix it? Why can't we change these things? Well, first, I'm going to tell you, it says there in verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. I'm going to tell you why maybe you can't find your song in an ungodly world. I believe first, maybe you don't realize that this world naturally turns from God. This world naturally turns from God. We try to justify everything. We want to fix everything. We want things to change on this world. And I believe in some senses they can. But we forget that it is nature of man in his sin to turn from God. 
As it says there, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. And when it says there, the, the kings of the earth, and then it goes on in the middle part of verse 2, and it says the rulers is talking about those in power in this world. It's talking about the leadership of the world. And guess what happens when the leadership turns from God? It trickles down. It trickles down. I mean, we, we look back in a day and a time where our nation was founded, and I believe we were, our nation was founded, a Christian nation with the Christian principles and a Christian mindset. And, man, we've seen society go away and go away and go away, the great falling away from the Lord. We talk so much. We've just we've went from our old ways. We've got off the old paths, and, and we have. But it's natural. It shouldn't surprise us that we've turned away because it's man's He's doomed. Unless he turns to Christ, he's doomed to fall into the traps of the ages and the days gone before. I love our country. I love our nation. I pray for our leaders, even though I still have a viewpoint, I promise you. But I pray for those I disagree with. I pray for those that I agree with. I certainly pray for those that I'm supposed to agree with, but don't have enough about them to stand up and speak the truth. That's worse than just disagreeing with me, in my opinion. But it shouldn't surprise us because they naturally turn away from God. They, get, they turn against the Lord. And then it goes on and it says, and against his anointed. They hate the things of God and they also hate those that are going to follow him. They seek to, 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 to walk away from him. And I thought about this. It's kind of like a hog in the mud or, or, or a bird in a tree. The world is naturally inclined to turn its face from God. He is their creator, yet he is despised. He spoke the world into existence, yet he is spoken falsely about. He offers freedom from the righteous judgment, yet the world willingly ties itself to the cares of the earth. The world naturally turns itself from God, and it ought not surprise us. shouldn't surprise us, because it's the very nature of this world in which we live. I had this thought the other day as well. When overwhelmed by the state of the world, we must remember that the days where man is in control are drawing nigh. We must find hope in the remembrance that we are eternal citizens of a nation that is not made by the hands of man or designed by the minds of engineers, but built upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. If you can say you're part of that nation, praise the Lord, then you know that this earth is doomed to fall away. Brother Wayne and I were talking yesterday on the phone and we're talking about how, how people get to the point they worship the earth in which we live and it's a beautiful place. I get to my little home over in Leicester. Leicester, Leicester, Leicester. I'm hearing some of y'all call it Leicester. Praise the Lord. We're getting somebody, right? I'm just kidding. I get to my home in Leicester and I get to over the place, Lord willing, Shelby and I will build our home, our final home, hopefully, on this earth. And it's just so peaceful. And I love it. I love it. I stand on that hill, and when I was 13, 14 years old, I told my grandfather, we was over there picking up rocks on that hill. I said, Papa, I want to build my house here one day. And from that moment, I just had peace in that spot. That's where I want to live if I can for the rest of my life. Just peace. But one day, the land and the home and the barns and the buildings and the trees and the birds and everything else, they'll be destroyed. I'm inheriting an eternal home. 
I'm inheriting a better home. I'm inheriting a better, better place, a more beautiful place, a more perfect place. That's not made by the hands of man. It's made and designed and created by the very mind of God. So this world naturally turns away from him. Shouldn't surprise us. But just remember, on the other side, it's perfect. It's peaceful. It's eternal. It's forevermore. If you can't find your song in this ungodly world, I understand. But find your song remembering this thing was set into motion, sin crept in, and man's just doing what man does, and that's sin. This ungodly world, it naturally turns from God. Now, it goes on in verse 3, it says, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Now, I think this is important here when we're looking through this scripture, considering how the world wants to turn away from God. And we've thought, we've seen a, a couple of things. We've seen the question posed in verse 1. We've seen the people that are turning away from God, the kings and the rulers. It trickles down all the way down to you, people like you and me. And against the Lord, they turn against God. They turn against his anointed that live upon the earth. But their mindset found in verse 3, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Now in the Hebrew, you'll find a couple things. This mindset here, what they're saying essentially is let us break away from the things of God. They, the, the very mindset of the world is to, to break away from the things of God. And you'll find first in the Hebrew the, where it says the bonds, that's talking about the shackles. The world feels like that under the Lord, under the leadership of God, they are shackled and chained, and they are, that word literally means prisoners. They feel that they're prisoners to God. They don't want to be prisoners because, you know why? On the, the flesh, and we deal with it today, Christian, if you're, if you're saved, don't think you don't deal with it. We deal with it today is the desire of the flesh to do what the flesh wants to do. But what this is saying is that they don't want to be chained down by God. They don't want to be prisoners by in, in the service of the Lord. They don't want to be tied up and tied down by the things of God, by the rules of God, by the standards of the Lord. They would rather do their own thing. Isn't that the folly of a lost man? I mean, it's just, it's just we're ignorant to the things of God. So the bonds are the chains or the prison of the Lord, or where it says they're bands, and cast away their cords from us. And what you find if you study that word out, uh, I, I did find what it, one thing that it can mean, and I believe this just really, it means a lot to me when I read this, is that it could mean a harness. Otherwise, an implement used to control a, law, a large mammal, such as a horse or an ox. They, they don't, the world doesn't want to be tied to the service of the Lord. Because they look at Christian people and think, well, you've got to live by this standard. You've got to be, live by these rules. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. They don't see it for what it is. They don't see it for liberty and freedom, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning. But in their minds, they see it as bondage. And I definitely don't want to be yoked up and tied up in the service of that. The world just kind of wants to do its own thing. You ever tried to leash train a puppy? About like dealing with a mule. Our puppy, a little golden retriever. I hadn't talked much about timber. We'll get to old timber eventually, preaching about a dog. But All right, we've got a golden retriever. His name's Timber. He's a great dog. I love him. And uh, 
when, he, when we first got him, we got that leash around his neck, and you know they shake around, and don't, they don't like that leash around their neck, or the, 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 just the uh, collar. And I thought, oh, boy, you wait till we get outside. We got out in the front yard, and I took the, the leash over to him and put that leash on that, that collar, and he had some freedom with the collar. Once you got that leash on him, he did not like it. Like I said, it's like dealing with a mule. He just sat down. He just sat down and wouldn't move, wouldn't budge, didn't want nothing to do with it. It took a while to get him to the point where he'd let you lead him around. The world doesn't want to be leashed to the things of God. It doesn't want to be tied to the expectations of the world. It doesn't want to be tied to or the expectations of God. It doesn't want to be uh, in their mind chained to the, the standards of the church. It's just natural to run away from it. And that's their natural mindset is to cast it away. They're literally saying, this God thing, it's just chaining us down. It's just yoking us up. It's just causing us to, to be, uh, stop being our, be able to be ourselves and not be able to find ourselves. Let's break away from it. That's the mindset of the world that naturally turns from God. Goes on in verse 4 and says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. The ungodly world, it naturally turns from God, but it also never considers their, their appointed fall. You know, when things go on good in your life, you don't, often we don't think about maybe what's right around the corner. I tell you, I try my best to pray. God knows my heart. I try my best to pray, Lord, help me in preparation for what's around the corner I can't see. Help me. Because I'm learning in life that the trials that come up Man, do they not surprise us sometimes. Things seem to be going good. Hit on that a little bit Wednesday night. Things going good. God's blessing. God sent us the right direction. And then just somewhere out of nowhere, the old haymaker just knocks you off your feet. You know, it's funny sometimes when we're successfully walking through life, we forget we're going to fall. We forget we're going to stumble. We forget things are going to happen. Remember when you learned to ride a bicycle? When you first learn to ride a bicycle, I mean, just the, the fact of not being in control of your balance feels so, it just feels so unnatural. But you get to a point, you ride a bicycle or a motorcycle, I, I haven't done as much as that of that, but you ride a bicycle long enough or a motorcycle, you get to a point where you're comfortable. Jeremy knows. Jeremy's all over the place on them motorcycles. You get to a point you're, comfort you're comfortable. I will guarantee you something. If you do training for motorcycle safety or you get a motorcycle endorsement, they'll tell you you're going to wreck eventually. At least that's what anybody's told me. You're going to wreck eventually. Something's going to happen eventually. But you know, it's usually when you start getting comfortable. It's usually when you start, hey, I'm getting good at this. Hey, I'm doing all right. Man, maybe I, I can make that jump. I can, I can, I can zip, zip over that, or I can. Do, that's usually when it happens. That's what happened to me. 
We were at camping one year, and I thought, man, I'm doing good on this bicycle, showing off for some, some young ladies, and thought I was so cool. And before I knew it, my leg was, I mean, road rash all down my leg. I thought I knew what I was doing, but I fell. You know, we get a little arrogant sometimes when we get good at things. Man, look at me. I'm good at life. I'm showing off for somebody. People are thinking highly of me. People are, are excited for me. People are, are, are look at him, look at her, look at what's going on, and we forget there's an appointed fall. You're riding, you riding through this Christian life, I'll guarantee you there's going to be a time you're going to wreck. There's going to be a time you're going to fall. There's going to be a time you're going to get skint. There's going to be a time you're going to be bruised. It's the same for the world, except their appointed fall, it's much worse. Where it says in verse 4, The heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall have them in derision. Then he shall speak unto them in his wrath. When they fall, they're going to be spoken to by the wrath of God. They're not even thinking of it. They're just successful. They're just growing. They're just going. Go, and you don't believe me? Go, go find a lost person. And talk to them about things in their life. They're not as cautious when they say, well, in 20 years, in 50 years, in 30 years, in 10 years, in 5 minutes, in 10 minutes, in an hour. They're not as cautious when they talk about time. We're guilty of thinking we've got time. But I believe in the Christian, when, when, when God comes in and, and Christ takes residence in your life, you begin to realize that 10 minutes, that hour, that day, that month, that year. I don't feel the same way about it as I used to. If the Lord tarries, the old people, old, old timers. If the Lord tarries, maybe we'll do it. My grandparents, this really challenged me when I first started pastoring. So my grandmother, you'd ask her to do something. Say, Lord willing. Lord willing. Lord willing. We should have that attitude and that spirit of, Lord, if it, I may not be on this earth. Lord, around, around Christmas time, we'll get those bags out, Lord willing. If he tarries, if he allows health, if he, if he doesn't come back. I believe as a Christian, we know there's an appointed fall of this world. But they're just, I mean, blowing through life, realizing, not realizing that they're going to fall. But verse 6, he says, uh, well, actually, let me, let me back up. On verse 4 and 5, one said, Mark the quiet dignity of the omnipotent one and the content which he pours upon the princes and their raging people. Mark the quiet dignity of the omnipotent one. We're guilty of thinking, well, I, I wrote this down. Concerning these verses, I nearly made the mistake of saying that the world never considers the time when God will regain control. But in reality, he has been in control the whole time, but his quiet dignity allows man to think he is in control. We think we're in control of our lives. Something comes up, naturally we want to fix it. How can I fix it? What can I do? How can I change it? Thinking we can control the things. We have free will to make choices, but at the end of the day, I don't control my health, I don't control my wealth, I don't control my future, and the only thing I can really control is myself and my time that I do have left. It's the only things I can control. 
but we're guilty of thinking we're in control. In this world, they think they've got it. I'm going to live till I'm 70. I'm going to live till I'm 80. I'm going to live till I'm 100. We'll deal with it a later day. I've heard people say, I, I want to get saved, but now's not the time. That's scary. Because this ungodly world, they never consider the appointed fall. And he says there in verse 6, Yet have I set my king upon the holy hill of Zion. He's referring uh, in, in one sense to David. How he sets David in the holy city and how the lineage of David would, uh, would be the leaders and the kings of, of the land there. But also I believe he's referring to Christ. Through the lineage of David, he sets Christ up. And Christ is the, the king and the master and the leader and the, 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 uh, the almighty in the city of Zion. He's the one that will control forever. He has been set on the holy hill. He is the one that God sent to be the perpetuation of our sins. He is the one that God will use to rule and to reign forevermore. Amen. That appointed fall, all that is is a transition to the kingdom of God for eternity. When it comes to the end, when it's all wrapped up, it's just a transition to Jesus taking over on the holy hill. Where he's been set from the beginning. Verse number 7, it says, I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, they, they, they don't consider the, consider the pointing fall but, but once again, they know, they're nearing the day of losing control. And like I said, we think we're in control, and the world thinks they're in control. And hey, there's going to there's gonna be kings and princes and principalities and governments and all those things. God allowed those things to exist. And it was because of the hardness of the hearts of men that those things exist to begin with. But the reality is, is that those things, they've been allowed to take place because God allowed them to take place in the hardness of the hearts of men. But what little bit of control is actually there and what, what little bit of control the world thinks that they have, the day's coming, they won't be in control. When Christ returned to this ungodly world, where it says there, I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, this ungodly world will face a holy, justified Savior. They'll face it, stand before him. And the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. When he comes back, he's in control of the whole thing. Not just a little piece, not just here, not just there. He's in control of the whole thing. Verse 9, it says, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. You ever broken a glass or, or some kind of pottery or something like that? You ever broken anything like that? I joked with Shelby one time about being tall enough to actually break something when she dropped it. But man, you don't have to do, you don't you can drop something, knock something off the counter and it'll break. I've seen stuff fall from the top of the, uh, top of the, uh, the cabinets or whatever, fall and break and bust everywhere. My mom has my great grandmother's teapot, and it was knocked off the shelf and the handle broken off of it. And that sound that something makes when it breaks, it's unmistakable. You realize something just broke. That's the way in which Christ will justifiably judge the world. 
I don't, I don't want to be on the receiving end of that. When he says, shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel, this world will be just destroyed and obliterated. And all the powers and all the might and all the principalities and all the, all the things of this earth, the kingdoms that, the, and the, the technology that man can make up will be destroyed like a cup falling off the counter. That's how mighty God is. Praise God, I'm, on the, I'm not on the receiving end of that. I'm on the justified side. I'm on the, the saved side. I'm on the redeemed side. I've got the freedom, the power to plead the blood of Christ and say, not like that. This flesh is going to die and they're going to throw me in the ground, throw me in the sea. I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to do something with his old body. I don't, I mean... Whatever. This soul, I'll be with him. Not worried about what happens to this flesh. I'll be given a new body. Maybe a little slimmer. <laughs> but the reality is, I won't be dashed to pieces. This world is losing control each and every day, each and every second, each and every minute. Some lack faith. Well, he hadn't come back. He said he'd come back, and he hadn't come back. Oh, he's coming. Think about the, in school. I don't know if it was the, the time I was in school, but, or if it was just the, uh, I don't know if it was because of the time I was in school or just because Lester Elementary School was so far behind, but the hourglass. You know, you're taking a test or something, and the teacher flip it over, and you watch the grains of sand. Man, dwindles down, dwindles down, dwindles down. And when you see it, you get down to just next to nothing and your heart will sink. It did for me because I was only a quarter of the way done with my test. But the reality is when, when it was done, she's done. Time's fleeting every moment. You say, well, this world may last another thousand years. It might, but my time's fleeting like a vapor. I don't, I don't want to be on the receiving end of that judgment. The world, this ungodly world that's stealing your joy and stealing your song, hey, they're nearing the day of losing control. And I know the one, and if you're saved, you know the one that is in control. We'll finish up here, verse 10 through 12. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges the earth, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. We serve a loving God. Because in verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, we hear about how they condemned the Lord and the things of the Lord and how they the world condemns the people. Of God. But the last thing I'm here to tell you this morning about this lost and dying ungodly world is they need to turn from their sin. And God's not done with them till He's done with them. It's easy to hate people that we disagree with, it's easy to hate people that harm the innocent, it's easy to hate people that, that, that are ungodly. Here's, here's what changed in my life. And I believe this, God instilled this in my heart from the word. Y'all grew up, remember the 9-11 days, those that were around, you remember that type of stuff? 
remember when Osama bin Laden was, was killed. He harmed a lot of innocent people of our nation and, and nations abroad. And I remember being, a, being in high school and hearing about that and everybody's cheering, everybody's happy, whatever else. And, you know, somebody, somebody got what they deserved. But, man, I remember thinking, Jesus Christ died for that man just like he did for me. And while my flesh wants to hate and my flesh wants to despise, do you realize he loves people like that man? He loved Adolf Hitler. He persecuted and killed his people, millions of innocent people. But he loved him and he died for him just like he did me. If you can't see that, look in your word. Well, I don't agree with these people. I don't agree with what to do. And I'll be honest with you. Somebody that can do that kind of stuff, I I'm, I'm, think the world's better off when they're gone. But God loved them just like he did you and just like he did me. When we can remember that. Because what he does is at the end of this chapter, he says that he's literally going to dash them to pieces like the potter's vessel. But he says, be wise now therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. It's natural, natural to turn away from God, but he, op he opens the door. They need to turn from their sin. He opens the door. It's easy to lump things on the leader. It's easy to blame the leader for everything. So, sometimes it's nice not to be the leader because you're not blamed for so many things. You're not pointed out for so many things. But he says, Those, ye, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Got my new Spurgeon Bible here. Spurgeon says on this text, your, wherefore, your warfare cannot succeed. Therefore, desist and yield cheerfully to him who will make